current and future onophiles, this is Hallie. And this is Adrian. And we are the Bottle Blondes. We think wine is delicious, but we know that learning about it can be pretty overwhelming. We use our love of comedy to make learning about wine fun and approachable because we are learning about it too. In improv, mistakes are gifts. And oh boy, are we making some mistakes. So thanks for coming on this ride with us. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at Bottle Blondes Wine. Give us a listen, and if you like our podcast, leave us a review. And for pictures of the wine we drink for the cast and other adventures in wine, look for us on Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine and on Twitter at Blondes Wine. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Bottle Blondes. The funny wine podcast for funny people. I didn't do that to very well. <laughs> That's okay. It's been a couple of weeks. It's the Unstuffy Wine Podcast. Unstuffy Wine Podcast for funny people. Um, and last time we went down an informational super highway slash <laughs> rabbit hole. Rabbit hole, like upon rabbit hole of, of Italian wines. And, and um, we realized that it was maybe a bit above our pay grade. <laughs> It was, it was a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So we've scaled down this week. Uh, we only have four wines uh, with us today because we are doing an episode on weird wines. Ooh, weird. <laughs> weird. What makes these wines so weird, Hallie? Well, Adrian, <laughs> it's not so much that they're weird. It's just that these are wines from countries that you probably wouldn't expect wine mm. to come from. Uh, they're often not really in a lot of commercial grocery stores. Mm -hmm. Um, They are going to be more in some of your neighborhood bottle shops. But um, a lot of, you know, the thing with these wines are sometimes they can be very affordable Mm. because people don't know about them. That's awesome. Um, So the people, uh, the importers are trying to, you know, expand people's horizons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, give uh, give their bottles and their great varieties, a little bit more name brand, recognizability. Recognizability? Yeah, is that a word? I don't know. I don't know. I, I like, like it, I like, I like it, too. <laughs> Marketing. Marketing. <laughs> Marketing. Um, so, yeah, we have... Uh, we have a, a, an arrangement of fun countries that we brought our wines from. Yeah, uh, so we're going to have three ones and then a, a mystery one, which uh, I have uh, pr- procured. And, and wrapped artfully in Hanukkah <laughs> colors. It is, tonight is the first night of Hanukkah. Oh. December 2nd. Congratulations. Nope. Congratulations. Congratulations on being Jewish, Adrian. <laughs> I love how it is artfully wrapped in um, silver and blue. The silver is uh, aluminum foil and the blue is painter's tape. Oh, I'm glad you recognize that as painter's tape. <laughs> A masking tape used for painting. Yeah, the aluminum foil was not was not staying on very well. I'm not I'm not one of those people that can wrap their leftovers and make it look like a goose or something. So. Oh yeah, I don't think I can either. Plus, that's a tremendous waste of tin foil. Let's be honest. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, so that will be uh, towards the end. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started with our first country. Our first country, uh, <clears throat> just a neighbor to the north, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, uh, their prime minister is also. Sexy AF, <laughs> old Trudeau, <laughs> talking about 
Canada. Canada. And I know what everyone back home is thinking. Geez, Hallie, it's really cold in Canada. How can they grow grapes there? That is literally what everyone is thinking. <laughs> um, well, not that many places in Canada <laughs> actually do grow grapes because it is uh, fucking hella cold. Um, in fact, there are only two uh, recognized uh, provinces in Canada under the VQA seal of approval, which stands for the, uh, oh God, <clears throat> the Venters Quality Alliance. Oh, um, I was going to say, uh, let's let's think of a couple other things that that acronym could stand for. Oh, yeah. Uh, so what was it? V-A- VQA. VQA. Um, the uh, Vivian Quality Association. <laughs> Making sure that every Vivian that exists is of quality. Oh, yes. The... Um, the the Vixen's <laughs> quintessential uh, arsenal. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, um, so it's like a secret agent uh, mm-hmm. affiliation. They work under the FBI. The VQA. <laughs> the VQA. Top secret. So. Um, Hallie and I may or may not be members of the VQA. Adrian, no. Wait, a may or may not. I'm leaving it up to chance. I think by the fact that you're saying may or may not <laughs> might mean that we are. But... Again, listeners, we're not part of the VQA. Definitely not. Um, But in Canada, the Mm -hmm. VQA uh, has two providences, those being of uh, British Columbia uh, and Ontario. Uh, And because... Where is Ontario in? Oh, so Ontario... Is it like in the middle? No, no. So Mm -hmm. when you're looking at uh, Canada from the... Left to right? Left to right. We have British Columbia, which is Vancouver and stuff, and then Ontario is way over here, almost by uh, New. It's above like New York and Michigan, oh. so it's close to uh, Lake Ontario and Lake, I believe Erie are, are the two lakes that we're looking at when we're over there. So um, British Columbia <clears throat> uh, has three major wine regions. Uh, those being, <clears throat> pardon me. The Okan- oh, Jesus. Uh, let's just do a quick uh, disclaimer, you guys. There's going to be a lot of fuck-ups on pronunciation this episode. <laughs> I mean, at least it's a bottle blonde standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we try, uh, but this one actually isn't too bad. Uh, but the Okanagan Valley, uh, Fraser Valley, and Vancouver Island are the three major appellations in uh, British Columbia that produce wine. But... Um, I'm not going to be talking too much about that because I am more f- going to be focused on Ontario Ooh. Uh, because Ontario produces mad delicious Riesling. Mm. Exactly. So Makes uh, sense being so cold and so far north. Exactly, but not that far north. So mm-hmm. essentially most of the wine in Ontario comes from the uh, number one appellation, which is the Niagara Peninsula. Oh, so... The vineyards uh, in Ontario can survive the cold because of Lake Ontario's depth, which retains heat and warms the winds, and in summer, the cool water temperatures uh, temper the heat. Cool. So, um, grapes that grow on the Ontario Peninsula, or excuse me, in Ontario on the Niagara Peninsula, uh, Cab Franc, because it has a longer growing season, Riesling, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Gamay. Top quality (laughs) selection up there. (laughs) Exactly. So the three uh, appellations in Ontario, I already mentioned the number one, which is the Niagara Peninsula. Number two is Prince Edward Island. Uh, and number three is the Lake Erie North Shore. Uh, there's a couple more, but again, I don't want to go too down too many rabbit holes here. 
they slipped in the, the little Peter cotton holes. <laughs> little Peter, <laughs> little Peter cotton holes. Um, so this is a pretty young wine region. Um, they probably didn't start producing wine regularly until I want to say the early 70s, okay. because before that it was pretty um, regulated by the government, people, you know, controlling decency and whatnot, prohibition, <laughs> Canadian <laughs> prohibition. Canadian I, prohibition, they're like, could you please, um, excuse me, please, could you not drink? Okay. Then, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great, thank put, you. Put that beer down. Mm-hmm, just please. <laughs> also of note, uh, you know, Prince, not Prince Edward Island, I just lost it, uh, Quebec, actually does produce some mm-hmm. wine, but they're not legally recognized in that VQA oh, gotcha. uh, distinction. Also, Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get into the Riesling that I brought, another fun fact uh, about Canada, or two quick facts, is Canadi- Canada. Canada. <laughs> Canada. Old Canada. Old Canada. Uh, Canada is the world's leading producer of ice wine. Really? Yeah. Over like Germany and Austria and mm-hmm. all of that? Fascinating. Yeah, because it gets colder in Canada for the further north you go. Um, so they have those nice cold winters where you can just pluck those wines off the grape. And they have a research center. In fact, they have the first research center to be dedicated to t- cool climate grape growing. Cool. Uh, and it's called the Cool Climate On Onology and Viticulture Institute. And it was established in Ontario in 1997. That's super cool. I know. Super specific. Canada was like, we need to have our own thing. (laughs) (laughs) Canada, you've got your own thing going that you're just such a wonderful place to be. Really. I've I've only driven through you. I really need to get back back into you. Mm. (laughs) Come uh so Mm. yeah this back to Canada. (laughs) This wine is uh that I have for us today. Is from a winery called Pearl Morissette. Uh, I wanna know. <laughs> I really wanted it to be called Atlantis Morissette, <laughs> Gem of the North. <laughs> Miss you. First, first cassette I ever. Well, no, second cassette I ever owned was Jagged Little Pill. Wow. Mm-hmm. First one was Green Day's Dookie. Yep. <laughs> yep. Classic. Classic. <laughs> cassettes. Uh, so Pearl Morissette is in Jordan, Ontario, which is uh, south of Toronto. Uh, on the Niagara Peninsula, and the name of the winemaker is Francois Morissette, who actually trained in uh, winemaking in Europe in the Burgundy style. This winery, as I mentioned earlier, also grows the other grapes of the Ontario Peninsula, so Cab Franc, Gamay, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. Uh, He does his aging in oak fermentation, and he also does cement eggs, low sulfites, uh, this is a natural uh, wine, I believe. So the Pearl and Pearl Morissette is some guy named Mel Pearl. He's the financial backer. Uh, we'll <laughs> name a wine after you. Just give us money. Yeah. He's like, well, Pearl, you know, I think if you put your Frenchy first name in front, people might get confused about like, well, is this from Quebec or is this from Ontario? I'm so, I don't know. I'm really confused. Uh, so fun Fun fact about Francois Morissette is uh, he's apparently a big deal winemaker in Ontario. He's cool. had some New York Times articles written about him, which I read, um, kind of going off on, you know, his his style. Lovely. And he calls himself, and, um, you know, well, this will be a subtle wine term of the week. Uh, he calls himself a vigneron. 
Yeah. And it, a, that is literally on the label. Yeah. A vigneron. So it, it's a French word without an English equivalent. Ooh. And what it means is the person who guides the grapes along their journey from vine to bottle. So he's pretty he's much... a grape shepherd. He's a grape shepherd. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> a great grape shepherd. <laughs> a great grape shepherd. Yeah. Francois. <laughs> so he's one of the 100 wineries on the Niagara Peninsula. Um... And the first, as I mentioned earlier, the first wine license there was uh, 1974 uh, after the Prohibition. So, again, I don't know a lot about the Canadian Prohibition on alcohol, though I am really curious because it appears that it was happening while America was well out of theirs. So I kind (laughs) of... Well, we were well into a whole plethora of other things. Yeah, like uh, (laughs) quaaludes and... (laughs) What was hot in the 70s? Um, Cocaine? Probably. Yeah. That was like the 80s. Yeah. Right? What was like the drug of the 70s? I feel like Marijuana, it was... Marijuana, right? I thought it was lewd. I really thought it was lewds. Probably. <laughs> Probably just a big old cocktail of everything. That's true. Disco. That is... Disco was the drug Disco. of the 70s. Disco and Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's uh, go ahead mm-hmm. and um, taste this puppy. I'm very eager. You've been um, espousing <laughs> uh, great... Great opinions about this wine. I actually, uh, I, re- I will represent to you, Adrian, that I got into this wine last night, which is why there's only about half a bottle left. Um, it's a lot more golden than I would expect for a Riesling, and um, it does have that bit of cloudiness that kind of marks a natural wine. Yeah, that was the first thing I noticed when I poured it. I was like, wow, this is super yellow. It's got, it's a little cloudy. Um, some of the aromas that I wrote down. <clears throat> were uh, apple juice, a little horsey, which you'll get with natural mm-hmm. wines, which is the Brett, uh, leche, and the tastings that I got on this one were grass, marzipan, almond, and it's really just such a luxuriant mm-hmm. feel in your mouth. I wrote down that um, if you like swirl your tongue around in it, it feels like your tongue is rolling around in velvet cheese. Yeah. Um, to me, this wine is almost like a little bit more pleasing texturally than t- like the taste is good, but to me, I'm almost like yes. this wine because it's it's like this nice oily, waxy, soft. soft. Yeah. You know, it's like that texture when you get a perfectly beautiful cut of um, like filet mignon. Like that's a weird comparison because meat and wine obviously don't really, except for maybe like more full-bodied wines don't really cross in terms of, of tastes, but like that just soft tenderness. Yeah, like kind of veal. I don't know mm-hmm. if you ever, I mean, I don't really eat veal anymore, but um, I used to before I kind of knew really what that process was until I drove by a veal farm and saw all the baby cows in their dog houses. Oh, God. I know. It was terrible. That's horrifying. I know. I, know. <laughs> I just remember watching a South Park episode about veal and was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> I think I'm done here. <laughs> That's beautiful. So yeah, this is a this was a more a little bit more expensive wine. This was like a thirty dollar bottle that I bought uh, a while ago after I was already drinking because you know we all make really great decisions. Hell yeah, this is a good decision. <laughs> oh my god. Mm. It does have mm. that lovely nuttiness to it, but still like you know just not quite as much acidity as I would normally expect out of a Riesling. Exactly. But um which I, I enjoy in my recent. I love also, too, on the back, it says 
um, you know, 750 milliliters, which is like a standard bottle of wine. And then alcohol, 11 to 14 percent. Like, they're just like, I don't know. <laughs> it's somewhere in there. I wonder if they <laughs> put that on there because it's a natural wine and they can't really like, oh, because they, they can't really predict what the final alcohol content, because this is a 2015, mm-hmm. which is also a little bit longer than you would drink a Riesling. Mm-hmm. Typically, you drink Rieslings within one to two years. Um, so this is a little older, not uh, like what three years, yeah. three or f- almost four. It's <gasps> almost, almost two thousand nineteen. Ah, ah, so the, close to twenty twenty. <laughs> bring us there, please. Yes, yeah, so flash forward. Um, but yeah, this is a really delicious wine. You can have it on your own. It'd be really great with food. Um, something to note, though, if you are going to visit uh, the Canadian wine regions, is that. Um, the Ontario doesn't have nearly as many wineries as British Columbia. British Columbia has a ton of wineries you can visit, a little bit more accessible as far as if you're going to go like wine tasting. Ontario is more about like production that they oh. might like send to somewhere else. Not really a good tasting region. Not necessarily. You can. A lot of it is by appointment only. Um, I mean, there are a lot of places that have you know open door policies, but a lot of the time they're catering to uh, tourists and giving them their maybe not the best of their line. So politics at play. And I mean, I don't know. I feel like Ontario would want tourists, but maybe they hate tourists because it's right by Niagara Niagara Falls. Falls. That's what I'm thinking. They're like, oh my God. Yeah. All of these. I've never been to Niagara Falls, but. I haven't either. Yeah. I heard it's just really cold and wet. Yeah. I mean, you've seen one waterfall. You've, you've seen, seen them, them all. all. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Waterfalls are beautiful. I want to see more of them. But <laughs> I do want to go wine teaching in British Columbia, though, because Vancouver is my favorite city in the whole wide world. And I just need to get explore more into that province. Yeah, that is an accessible trip for us uh, by, via train. Uh, Bottle Bonds episode... Uh, <laughs> Ye old Canadian edition. Ye old Canadian edition. So yeah, that's that's mostly Canada uh, mm-hmm. in a nutshell. I would love to be able to try. Uh, I went with the standard here, which was a Riesling, but I would love to try some of these other grapes from Canada. Uh, also note when we're talking about Ontario, we're talking about New York also makes um, Riesling in the Finger Lakes region. I just got cheese in my hair. <laughs> Thank you. Make a wish. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I also called the snack platter earlier a snake platter, so mm-hmm. I am on a roll. Forgive <laughs> any linguistic discrepancies that you hear come out of my mouth. That's very artful. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of tourism, maybe we should move on to our next um, quote-unquote weird country, which is, again, not to say that it's a weird place, but just that not some place that you would commonly associate with wine production, and that is Croatia. I want to go there so bad. Oh, Lord. So I was researching Croatian wine and all of the beautiful pictures of the vineyards and all of the beautiful, like, Mediterranean seaside, sunny ocean, bright blue water. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is also, Croatia is also where they film um, portions of Game of Thrones, where King's Landing is. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. And apparently they got a mad kitty population. Not that the kitties are like rabies, but like, like whoa, there's a lot of kitties. Oh, yeah. I was talking to um, some um, some improv friends of ours. That oh, just Ali and Steven. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> shout out to Ali and Steven. Um, I think we've already shouted out to them. I think we've them. already shouted out to them in past episodes. Um <laughs> 
They also like wine. Who doesn't? Uh, if you don't, you should try it. <laughs> anyway, so they went on a cruise with the, um, Steven's parents, and Croatia was one of the stops. And I guess, like, the cats in Croatia are very well, like, taken care of, and they're there for, like, rodent population, but they're not fixed. So there's, mm. like, mad kitties, mad kitties <laughs> around everywhere. They also have uh, one of the world's best soccer teams. Croatia came in second in the World Cup this year. Yes, they did. Uh, So Croatia, if you don't know, you're like, I'm aware that Croatia is in Europe, but I don't know where it is. It's just across the Adriatic Sea um, from Italy. It's in between Slovenia, which is to the north, and Bosnia, which is to the south. So it is part of the EU. Um, It's a very popular tourist destination because it has beautiful, beautiful Mediterranean vibes, but it's also very biodiverse. It's like... It's got Mediterranean um, territory, it's got Alpine territory, and then there's kind of like the middle, like, continental area. Um, There's two major wine regions in Croatia. The northeastern continental side is very adaptive whites, and then the Mediterranean side, which is more to the south along the coast, Mm -hmm. is very popular uh, with reds. Um, And among this kind of southern Mediterranean region, uh, the Dalmatian, like the dog, I assume that's how you pronounce it, uh, the Dalmatian Islands are kind of the best area for wine production, and that's the most popular area um, to grow, and like the kind of the best known, and also like where the, the two two of the Appalachians that I'll be talking about later are. Um, yeah. Croatia have more, um, does it do more red production or more white? I couldn't really tell. Um, it seemed kind of even, mm. but... To be honest, the stuff that they're known the best for is their reds. Um, their their main grape is called Plavic Mali, and uh, it's going to be the wine that we're going to taste in just a second. Um, it kind of sounds like grapes got there similar to other other places in the Mediterranean. It's like the, the Greek settlers brought them, and then it was cultivated by the Romans, and then cultivated by the Ottoman Empire, and then the Habsburg Empire, and then it was under communist rule, um, which we'll go into a bit later. Yeah, you're getting well. a Cold War lesson, yeah. people. <laughs> um, where private winemaking was totally discouraged. It was all about quantity versus quality. Um, kind of up until the 1990s or so, when the Croatian War of Independence um, saw a bunch of vineyards destroyed. And there was kind of this re- resurgence to make wines of Croatia more well-known and um, more quality, again, to compete with the, the rest of the European wine market. Um, also, really cool fact about Croatia, they have uh, the Slavonian Oak Forest, which produces barrels for a bunch of European wine. And in our Italian episode, we mentioned that a lot of Italian winemakers make their wine in Slavonian oak and that is where it comes from it's from Croatia so yeah yeah when we were um I think when we were having that oak uh debate or rather we were researching oak for our Chardonnay episode oak debate. the oak debate 2018 <laughs> um we were talking a lot about French and American and kind of we're like well, wh- wh- there's got to be there's so many goddamn trees in the world why are we only using mm-hmm oak from these two particular countries yeah, and then from France and from America and apparently we're not we're using a lot from Croatia as well and Hungary, Hung- Hungarian oak is oh, also yeah. another one so yay Balkan Balkan oak <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> um, 
the the reason kind of that Croatia doesn't pop up a lot in terms of, of like thinking about winemaking is um, literally just because they haven't been super prolific because they have a lot of indigenous grapes that are really hard to pronounce. Yeah. So people in the European wine market are like, mm, I don't know how to pronounce these. I don't want to look stupid. Lots of accent marks over letters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of weird little divots and things. And sometimes uh, lots of just consonants in a row, which is my favorite. <laughs> I And my last name is heavily consonanty, so mm-hmm. I, I feel you. I feel you. Ms. Zemrochak. <laughs> I only got two vowels, people. Two vowels. <laughs> um, so the two big grape types of this region are the Plavich Mali and the Poshif. Um, the Plavich Mali is the main one. It is, if, if anybody knows anything about winemaking in Croatia, that's the main grape varietal that they're going to think of, and that's the one that people are going to commonly associate with Croatia. It's primarily grown uh, along that southern Dalmatian coast that I mentioned earlier. Um, it translates to small blue, small blue grapes, and it's high in alcohol and tannin, low in acidity. Um, and there's actually a very fascinating story about the family tree of Plavich Mali. Oh, I love a good yes. Papa, tell me a story <laughs> by the fire. <laughs> well, it's it's so prolific that it was the first grape in Croatia to have its own appellation. So the 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 Dingach. The Dinget. The Dinget and the po- and the Posip, both in South Central Dalmatia, um, is are two appellations that particularly grow this grape. And somebody very famous is actually from in the wine world is from Croatia. Um, a man named Miljenko Gurgic, assume I'm pronouncing his name correctly, also known as Mike Gurgic, who um, actually produced the winning wine in the Judgment of Paris in 1976, the 1973 Chardonnay from Chateau Montalena. So was he working at Chateau Montalena? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he oh. was working in California in the Napa Valley. And um, to tie in um, the connection with the Plavich Mali, he was like, huh, Plavich Mali is very, very similar to Zinfandel, the California Zinfandel, which is one of the uh, noble varietals. Um, and he said, I wonder if they're actually the same grape. Mm. So he started to do some research with the uh, the University of California, Davis. Um, they have a really big agricultural school focused on wine. Um, in 1993, he first discovered that Zinfandel and Primitivo are clones of the same variety and continued even further down until 2000. He discovered that Zinfandel is actually a parent of the Plavich Mali, along with another ancient variety called Dobrichik, ah, which is from the Croatian island of Sholta, and I looked up pictures of Sholta, and it is fucking gorgeous, so we all need to take a trip. Um, so yeah, Zinfandel and Dobrichik uh, are the parents of Plavich Mali, and because Mike Gergic was so obsessed with these, he actually went back to to Croatia and started a winery of his own there. So now he has a winery. One of the most prolific winemakers in the world has a winery in Croatia um, specifically focused on Slavish Mali. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Is that um, his wine? No. no uh, I, think, I think we would have taken out a couple small loans. 
<laughs> had we wanted to uh, focus more on that. <laughs> um, also, fun fact, uh, Croatian Zinfandel is called... Okay. Serljanak Kastelanski. Cool. Yeah, you know. Serjalik Kanonski. Yeah. No, this is this is a... A Plavich Mali called Androvic Plavic Plavich Mali. Um, it's 2015. It's from the the Pijolchak. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Peninsula, which is uh, one of the major wine regions in the Dalmatian Islands, kind of in the south. Um, this is grown in limestone. It's a it's a 14 percent um, alcohol by volume, and it's pretty pretty big bodied and pretty tannic. Let's yeah, this is a uh, shout out to uh, Neil Park Avenue Wines for yeah, downtown and southwest Portland. Yeah, for helping us uh, find this one. <clears throat> it's a really great big place. <laughs> great big place. It's a great big place. But they have a really nice selection there of wines from uh, different you know countries that you maybe don't know about. So um, check it out. <clears throat> and right off the bat. You reveal the super duper grippy grippy tannin. This wine is very brambly, blackberry and cherry, and um, maybe a little bit of cocoa. I feel like I also get a little bit of like kind of a a bouquet of dried herbs. It's very good, Um, and it's going real great with this um, this mushroom brie that we're eating right now. Yeah, I got similar. I opened this wine on uh, Friday to let it breathe because I knew a lot of these wines were going to be heavy tannins, so I wanted to get them some air. Um, and yesterday, it smelled very heavily of like fortified wines like Port of Madeira. Mm. Not so much today. Today, it's taken on a little bit. It's such a chameleon, this wine. Ooh, it's evolved. So, you know, when, when I did taste it, uh, salted caramel, blackberry, um, I got some clay pot, a little bit of white pepper, yeah, brambly. Um, it's it's really tasty. Mm-hmm. It's quite tasty. So I, I know that there have been similarities talking about uh, with with Plavich Mali and Zinfandel, but like I this is Zinfandel to me. I feel like I always taste it. and It has this kind of like syrupy, kind of like blackberry syrup jamminess not mm. not in a bad way i know jammy is often a, a term for a kind of a negative term but like this is just like very structural and although it has a lot of similar smells i'm not necessarily getting a lot of the same vibes from it but regardless it's excellent what are you doing i'm taking a, I'm taking a picture of you drinking wine because it's oh yeah you just had like a really nice like ethereal face while you were drinking excellent (laughs) but no i i totally agree with you Mm -hmm. it's it's like zinfandel but take away some of that cloying sweetness that you can sometimes Mm -hmm. get with a zinfandel um but i think you're gonna i mean this also we're talking about california's in you know i think when we're making this comparison um it's been a really long time since i'd I'd almost want to do like a triple comparison i would want to get a zin i'd want to get a primitivo and then i want to get a a plavish molly Mm -hmm. i want to taste them all that's a great idea and then just you know for another episode yeah we should do a clones episode clones episode and we'll play star wars music in uh the background Into the other popular grape of the Croatian region. 
The heart of Poship? The heart of Poship. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a white grape. Um, it's a full-bodied white, also grown in the Dalmatian region. Um, it's described as full-bodied with almond notes. So Ooh. kind of like some Chardonnay vibes, which makes sense why Mike Gergich went to gr- went back to grow um, some uh, Plavich Molly and some Poship. Yeah, it says that it often tastes of apples, vanilla, citrus, and almond. So I want to get my hands on some of both. Yeah, we can order it. We can we can definitely just from wine.com. Want, or you know, a lot of these bottle shop owners around town are really nice. You just call ahead and say you want something, That's and they'll a good point. and they'll get it for you. You know. I forget about that. I forget about asking for what I want. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes I'm just like, um, I'm just gonna think about how I can't get it, and then I'm just gonna give up. Um, I also noticed that a lot of my seven things are just about trying something and then giving up halfway through, which I was like, I'm gonna stop that. Uh, um. And, and just to drop a couple little fun things about Croatia um, to wrap up this this mini segment about Plavich Mali. Um, Croatians love to drink. Meals will often start with, I know, crazy, with plum brandy and then move on to two or three glasses of wine. And then it's also very common, this was from like a less reliable looking blog, but apparently it's also very common that like once you say that you're going to leave for people to give you one more glass of wine quote unquote for the road oh my god terrible idea but maybe you're just walking because they're all the village little villages right point all little villages and then the negative side to all of this is croatians also dilute their wine with Oh, I was reading about that too. Or or sparkling water. Yeah, so it's the sparkling one is known as gemished, and uh, and then the still one I think is called Vivanda, which sounds like the names of my future children. This is gemished (laughs) and Vivanda. Oh, Vivanda, you're doing so well in school, I hear. What about gemish? He's not doing so hot. Oh yes, I he's got the terrible the terrible teens. (laughs) And on that note, I'm going to go pull my bread out of the oven. Uh, okay, I guess we're moving on to our next our next country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's move on. Well, sorry, we're sad to leave Croatia, but you know what? We can always come back. Well, Adrian, we're not going very far. No, we're no. Oh, we're just going to Macedonia. Wow, I literally don't know. <laughs> well, fun fact: I'm not going to tell you the geography, but Macedonia is a landlocked country in the Balkan region. Mm. Um, so again, it was part of the. Um, Republics that were under Yugoslav uh, rule, yeah, Yugoslav Yugoslavian rule during the Cold War. Um, so Macedonia has been a very contested parcel of land oh. throughout history. Is it like a little baby land? Like, is it just like a little like? Mm, I wouldn't say it's like super baby. It's not like Rhode Island baby or Luxembourg baby. Okay, it's. I didn't, I didn't look up the area, but it's it's hardy. It's, it's, it's maybe it's like the size of uh, North Carolina. Okay. I don't know. But here's uh, some fun history. I, I bulleted the entire history of Macedonia. Awesome. Yeah. Bullet list. John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, type A's long bullet point list. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Macedonia was uh, part of the Persian Empire. Uh, back in the 334 BC. Oh, so specific. No, Alexander the Great, who was the king of Macedon, different, <laughs> uh, 
conquered the shit out of uh, Persia. It was one of his many uh, conquests. Okay. Um, after that shit went down, uh, then the Romans conquered it, and it oh. became part of the Byzantine Empire, which, as uh, all of you know, uh, was the final Roman Empire. The, the people who uh, commonly were like, but... Hallie, Canada is so cold for making wine, are also thinking, ah, yes, the Byzantine Empire. <laughs> you didn't know you were going to get a little, little Byzantine thrown at you today. Uh, so it was part of the Byzantine Empire. Uh, at that point, when Rome fell, uh, the Ottoman Turkish Empire had control of it for a majority of the time, from the 14th to the 20th century. Which apparently, even though they didn't drink, they were like pretty into letting people make wine. I read that. While I was researching um, Croatia, they were like, "Yeah, do your do your artistic thing, you know." Everybody's got don't drink it. Just don't drink it. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah, that's strange. <laughs> Uh, so then there was the Balkan Wars of 1912-1913, uh, and then it was some Serbian rule, and then after World War One is when it became uh, part of the Kingdom of Yugoslavia, and remained uh, a part of Yugoslavia until 1991. The end of the Cold War. So. The end of the Cold War was 1991. I know. I know. We forget these. You forget how long the Cold War was because it wasn't actually a, like, fighting war war. It was a, in fact, it's the war that's most known for the least amount of fighting, but had all these little proxy wars, like, tucked in between it, like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right, like the um, Croatian Independence, War of Independence. And... Exactly. Oh, you didn't think of proxy war. What? Yeah. Dropping history now? My dad would be so proud of me. He's a history major. Proxy war is like the coolest phrase of the day. Yes, proxy war. That's the wine term of the week. Proxy war. <laughs> <laughs> um, so currently Macedonia is a pearl of the Balkans. Oh. Uh and similar thing that we were talking about earlier uh, was that it was a major producer um, in the 1980s of wine in that part of the country. Around two-thirds of the Balkan kind of area production was coming from that area. Uh, and after the breakup, uh, the quality went up. Oh. As in most people, when you're in a shitty relationship, your quality of life goes up so much better yeah. once that person is not in your life anymore. Sometimes it's just for the best. <laughs> Uh, so you, you left like you, like you knew too well. I dated a lot of shitheads. Yep, haven't we? Too. Haven't we all? Uh, so this region uh, actually is a primarily a red wine region. Eighty uh, percent of the production is red. Mm -hmm. uh, the classification for wine from Macedonia is PGI. Couldn't figure out what that meant, but mm. it's the. But we could we could maybe think of a couple things. Yeah. Uh, Pretty great intoxication. Mm. Um, PGI could also stand for um, uh, Peter's um, Grape Industry. Oh, Pe Peter, yes. Peter. Peter. <laughs> Peter is very well known in the community. <laughs> uh, but this classification is for both Macedonia and Greece. So I thought that was kind of weird. There's also a beef going on right now between Macedonia and Greece about like Macedonia wanting to like change their name, but Greece is like, no, because hmm. we're mad at you about something. I didn't get into it. Oh I was. Goodness. It would have been drama. a rabbit hole. Just stay out of the drama, you guys. You guys just stay out. Yeah. Like Greece, what's your deal? Like you're beautiful. You have your own thing going on. I mean, like why are you in Macedonia? Shit. 
I mean, I guess they have like a lot to be sore about with their um, economic collapse. Oh yeah, that I forgot about their whole and the rise of right wing um, weird political parties. (laughs) I forgot that Greece was the poorest country in Europe, (laughs) or was. I don't think maybe it's not anymore. Um, Hopefully not. Sorry, Greece. I'm not lighter notes. (laughs) Don't hate you. I just don't want you to be mean to Macedonia. Yeah. Uh, so there's three regions in Macedonia, and I'm going to completely butcher all three of these. <clears throat> uh, number one is Povardije. Uh, it's around uh, the central part of the country, around the capital. And then there is Pienja Osakovo, uh, which is the east border of Bulgaria. Bulgaria uh, being... Pienja. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the third one is Pelagonja Polog, uh, the west border of Bulgaria. So central and then around the borders of Bulgaria is where most of these regions are going to be. Cool. Um, so the red grapes that they produce there, uh, two of them you're going to recognize, but also lesser known, uh, Cab Sauv and Merlot, the wines in Bordeaux blend. But their main grapes are a grape called... <clears throat> See, when I saw this, I was like, it's pronounced Vranic. But then some website was like, no, it's Vranets. What? That the that, that last part but is pronounced no, E T Z. There's I, no like accent over there. I know. Or I'm gonna that. I'm gonna keep calling it Brannock, and then somebody will yell at me online later. Okay, I'm sure. Cool. Uh, the second one is a grape called Kratosoja. Probably fucked that up. <clears throat> and then yeah, Cab Sauv and Merlot. Uh, the whites that they grow there. Medervat. Oh. Oh, Moved. Moved. Right. <laughs> No, Avengers. no, S M E D E R E V K A, Smederevaga, whatever. Next one is Welsh. Oh, Welsh Riesling. So like Riesling, like a like a Macedonian. Welsh Riesling. Yeah, W E L S C H, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, and something called Zilavaca. Guys, I butchered all those. But yeah. it doesn't matter because I'm only going to talk about Brannock. <laughs> That's right. Brannock is an indigenous grape to Macedonia, so it only grows there. Uh, it's 50% or more of the production uh, of the wine out there. And Brannock means strong, black, powerful horse, black stallion. So. Oh, I'm very turned on by this wine all of a sudden. <laughs> What? No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and it's called that because the grape skins are black. Cool. Uh, like stallions. Like stallions. Um, I mean, do stallions come in other colors? Only black beauty matters. <laughs> black beauty is the only stallion. The only stallion that I think stallions come in all shapes and colors. Mm. Maybe not shapes. I think a horse is the only shape. <laughs> horse there's there's chubby Aww. horses like icelandic horses are real chubby because they have to have all that fat to keep them warm because they live outside in snow like their entire life no oh, you guys if you ever get a chance to touch an icelandic horse highly highly recommend it they're furry they're furry and they're short also um the cows in scotland <gasps> oh yeah highland coos highland coos dude touch those two those yeah, are those just so fuzzy I love livestock from other countries. <laughs> now I know. Oh, you're going to get me? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get you a baby gal. No, maybe uh, like a puzzle of livestock from other countries. Well, a livestock puzzle? Adrian, you know me so well. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah, everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this 
uh, grape uh, primarily grows in the uh, centrally, so probably not along the Bulgarian border, as I was talking about earlier. Uh, in the valley of the river Vardar. 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 <laughs> the river Vardar. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. I feel drunk and it's only two o'clock. <laughs> what happens when you have two glasses of wine? Um, so typically this grape, uh, you can, it's very blendable. In fact, people tend to blend it with Merlot or Cabernet, uh, or Syrah, sometimes to fix the coloring of the wine because because it's so so dark. Um, so this wine is typically aged, uh, in either Hungarian or Slovenian oak. So oak of that area, they're not, they're not shipping in. American or French oak, because why would you when you have the Slovenian oak forest? That's right. Right there. Uh, so, Brannock is supposed to pair well with uh, red meat and game, barbecue, like smoked stuff. Yeah, so there's this little bit on the back of this label that says, Brannock pairs exquisitely. Not, like, not well, exquisitely. <laughs> with duck breast of sautéed gizzards. Uh, gizzards are gross, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, a, hot, uh, a hard, hard pass. Hard uh, pass. <laughs> with red fruit, honey, and cinnamon. So I guess, you know, to, to really, truly experience this wine, um, we have to do that recipe that it provided us. Oh, it even... And then it gives us stuff in Celsius. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> so I, uh, was gonna do some research on this winery, but I didn't have time. But from what I could gather, uh, this... Tikovesh Winery is one of um, Macedonia's biggest producers. It's more of a commercial winery. They are... It's the, it's the St. Michelle of Macedonia. Yeah, exactly. It's the Chateau St. Michelle of Macedonia. Um, I've We tried one of their whites a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't remember the grape, but it was tasty. So, uh, this... <clears throat> this wine, you guys, not gonna lie. I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, what I got from it was, bear with me, these were all the weird tasty notes that I wrote down. I got raspberry fruit leather, brown butter sage, Christmas ham. You know what? <laughs> I'm fully on board with the smells. And then for great. and then for taste, I got dried cranberry, cigar box, black pepper. Um, it's very full bodied. It's got very grippy tannins. The color is, I will say, fucking gorgeous. It it's, is. It's like this deep blood red, um... Yeah, reminds it's not. Me, yeah, it reminds you, me of Christmas. You think it's gonna be a little when you with a name like Black Stallion, <laughs> you think it's gonna maybe be more on those like violet, purpley tones, which tend to go better with black. But you said you're not into this, but I solidly am. Oh my god! <laughs> Actually, oh. it's better on day three. Hmm. That's very interesting. I was not... You know what? Maybe it could have used a little bit of decanting. Yeah, this is definitely... Yeah, you're right. This is... Yeah, it's got pretty firm tannins, and it's got this very um, just deep, deep flavor, uh, kind of a bit of like a licorice hint, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think I also wrote down... What else? Oh, no. That was something else. Yeah, you need something really rich with this, this is for a, sure. This is a food wine, 100%. Yeah. Um, I kind of do want it with a Christmas ham, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Something like very salty and smoky, smoky. and, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's growing on me. Mm-hmm. The first, the first two days I was like, no, why? <laughs> <laughs> 
but now um, I'm kind of digging it. So it just goes to show you, you know, wine wine loves oxygen mm-hmm. after, like when it's ready to be drank. Obviously not during its aging process because then you have oxidized wine. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. This entire area, the Balkan Islands, Hungary has wine, Slovenia, Slovakia, uh, Georgia. These mm-hmm. are all countries that uh, are growing wine. So... If you see them on the shelf, give them a go. Yeah, give them some love. Uh, let's move in. Oh, did you have an estate story? I did. You know, I forgot to tell it while I was... Um, we were obsessing about the bread. We were obsessing about the bread for, for very good reason. But I think we should come back to it. Yeah, let's come back to this beautiful little story about um, the Andrevik, um Winery, which is in Croatia. It is from Helgesac. Feldeshek Peninsula um, in an area called Ponikve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yes. boy. Oh boy. Anyways, um, so this this winery has been in production since the 16th century. Damn. Yeah. Hella, hella old. Um, however, it's only been like a true winery to the public for the past six years. Uh, mm. Before that, the family would make wine for themselves, and then they would sell their fruit to winemaking co-ops, which kind of goes along with that communist story that we were telling earlier about how um, winemakers would make mass-produced wine. They wouldn't necessarily make wine um, individually as as vinters. Oh, damn you, Gorbachev! <laughs> Gorbachev, tear down this wall. <laughs> um, but it also, I mean, that may also just speak to the fact that they didn't have the money for mass production or to distribute or whatnot. But uh, the man who runs it now, his name is Mario Androvic, and he learned this through his family who carried down the winery from generation to generation. It was started by his great-great-grandfather, or no, great-grandfather, Steely Pavo, which is <laughs> the coolest name. I was going to say Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Steely Dan, also a winemaker. <laughs> is there nothing Steely Dan can't, can't do? do. <laughs> Please make wine, Steely Dan. Oh, my Please God. make wine. What would the name of his wines be called? <sighs> God, it would be um, it'd be like something about like great cousins. Oh, isn't there that song about the cousins? I only like New Age Steely Dan, so I would go like one of his favorite, one of my favorite songs is Third World Man, so mm. maybe it would be like I saw Steely Dan in Albuquerque one time. You bitch! With my parents, and it was like the best concert I've ever been to. It was so good. <laughs> Ugh, we're white, anyway. <laughs> If you couldn't tell, we also buy our matching dog sock story. Oh, my God. Did you see that comment? Yeah. My friend Keelan. Yeah, Shout out to Keelan, um, who was, it was an amazing uh, local Portland podcaster. Um, I forget the name of his show, but I'll look it up later. But um, <laughs> he commented on our dog sock picture. He was like, wow, you girls are white, aren't you? <laughs> yes, Keelan. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> back to the Andrevik Winery. Yes. Um, they have this cute little dog on their label. Uh, their wines are organic, um, and all of their wines are aged in Slavonian oak. Each barrel is handmade, and there's actually a 60-year-old barrel made by Mario's grandfather that's still in use today on their winery. Huh. And um, the pictures of this winery looked gorgeous. Um 
I I would be really down to try more stuff from this specific um, producer. Yeah. <clears throat> when I saw the little um, howling dog, it reminded mm. me of the howling coyote at the yeah. moon thing that we see a lot in um, in New Mexico. In New Mexico, it reminds me of um, the Coyote Cafe down in Oh yeah, Santa Fe. Um, I'm actually going to be bringing some wine back from uh, New Mexico when I go there for Christmas. And also, for the holidays, y'all, New Mexico makes one of um, the best um, sparkling wines in the U.S. It's Gruet, I think. A Gruet. Yeah, Gruet. Mm -hmm. Make it in New Mexico. (laughs) Yeah, it's... So, again, that's another weird place that you wouldn't think that you can get wine from, um, but... Uh, New Mexico, in the Rio Grande Valley, yes. specifically. The um, the climate there is super, super ideal for making wine because it's very, very arid. It has cool nights. It has um, warm sun, and it doesn't heat up too, too much. But the problem is, is that the soil there is really, really poor. It's very um, acidic, I believe. Well, it's not very porous, I'm sure. Yeah, that too. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. It's not very, like... It, it's sandy. I mean, it's literally sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, shout out, uh, shout out to the New Mexico wine growers and adventurers out there. Mm-hmm. We love you. Um, I think it's time for the blind taste test. Yay. All right. <laughs> This is a Trader Joe's wine, so it is of okay. not of the highest quality. Yes. But I think it's going to bring out some interesting talking points about this particular <laughs> grape. <laughs> a small puddle of water on the table. It's fine. Um, wine has towels. Okay, pour me my Hanukkah wine. <laughs> okay. This is um, dark. Hella dark. <laughs> dark. It's Ooh, like. It's Smoky. Oh, maybe this. Oh no, I got wine on the table though too. Oh, it's smelling better than it did last night. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's probably needed a lot. Kind of smoky, a little bit grassy smelling. Hmm. Did you bring? Did you bring the Lazy Bones Cab Franc? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I thought about it. I thought about tricking you, and then I was like, mm, don't be a dick. <laughs> So there's this cab franc at um, at Trader Joe's. I remember one time tasting a cab franc in one of my wine classes, and me like I should go get some more of that. That was really really interesting. And I went to to Trader Joe's and I asked the guy at Trader Joe's at the time was like, Hey, do you have any specifically cab francs? I see all these cab seven years. He's like, Yeah, we got this one. It's called Lazy Bones, and it's such a deal. It's only six dollars. People, when people come up to you and say it's such a deal is their first description of the wine, don't buy it. Don't buy it. <laughs> but the description on the back is super cute. And also the uh, label is really nicely designed. Like, I wanted to love it. It tasted like, like, uh... Oh, I sent you a Like, text. punch bowl butthole is my description. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna find the text. Yeah, because we had a text conversation about this because our friend Nicole, shout out to Nicole, was like, I love this wine. <laughs> And then we troll. And then we trolled her about and it. We trolled her about it. <laughs> Anyways, don't be mean about people's wine tastes. Everything is subjective. It's true. Okay, um, so I think I said is, it was like a pop tart. Like I don't know. I think I said. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, I said. 
mouth puckering pop tart swill. <laughs> That's what I described that wine. <laughs> okay, okay, but so back to this wine. Um, this wine, uh, my tasty notes on this wine uh, were blueberry pie, blackberry, artificial pink bubble gum, hoisin. Poison. Oh, that's that interesting. wine has poison. Mm. Poison, poison, poison. <laughs> uh, and it was super tannic when I tried it yesterday. Yep. So still super tannic. Does this fit in the the theme of weird places? Kind of. I'm gonna say yeah. I. I'm doing my deposition lawyer talk here. Mm-hmm. I will also represent to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That this is a new world region. Okay. Um, and that... I think it's South America. <gasps> yes. Yes. Yes, I'm close. <laughs> yes. Go on. Um, I want to go with Chile. Um, let's see. Um, Did you just huff that bottle? I just huffed that bottle. It's got a little bit of like smoked meat quality and then yeah, kind of that blueberry, blackberry taste and smell and it's pretty tannic, pretty full bodied. Question though, I'm curious, do you, mm-hmm. do you like it? I don't dislike it. Um, yeah. It's not super remarkable to me and... Honestly, I would I would say that even without knowing that it's from Trader Joe's, and I have nothing against Trader Joe's wine selection. Um, but like, the it's not super balanced. It kind of falls off the tongue after a minute. Very peppery though, which I do like. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this would be really fun with like some some barbecue or some smoked meat, something grilled, um, or maybe like some fajitas. Some beef fajitas. Yeah. Uh, steak fajitas. Um, so I'm thinking chili. I'm thinking that this is a Cabernet Sauvignon or maybe a blend. Oh, you said South America. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said something else. Oh, you thought I said America? I thought you said, thought you said South Africa. Oh. But continue. Continue on oh. your analysis. Uh, if it's from South Africa. Damn it. Oh, oh, what's it called? Pinotage. Yes, yes! <laughs> so, I've had Pinotage before. It can be really interesting. Um, it's kind of like regard, It's kind of like regarded as a bit of a trash grape, but... Um, yeah, no, I have some great stuff on it. Here, open up your bottle. Open up your bottle. <laughs> oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, come open your wine. Let's have a party. We'll all not eat swine, because that's not kosher. Um, open up your bottle. It'll give you a treat. Um, it's, um... God damn it! <laughs> some tin foil to wrap into a ball and kick with your feet. No, I have to, I have to record more. I'm terrible with Instagram stories. Uh, oh, my God. Wait. Just rip it. I'm trying. Tin foil and painter's tape. Wait. Oh, if I go up. <laughs> All right. What do we got? The Wedge. Pinotage. I was going to say 2016, but I forgot. Um, The Wedge from South Africa. It's got all these cute guys surfing. And I think it's ladies, ladies and guys surfing. Oh, yeah. It's both. It's definitely both. Uh, a bunch of old people surfing. Um. Yeah. Luck is in catching the wave, but you have to ride it. Oh, guys. 
Oh my god, it's pretty good. <laughs> Not the best, but pretty good. <laughs> Shit. Um, cool. So, um, yeah, a couple things. The re- and the reason I chose this is because, and I'm going to use a word that I fucking hate, but it really does work here. This is, Pinotage is a really polarizing grape. Mm-hmm. So, and the reason for that is that it, it's criticized with having, uh, it tends to have issues with volatile acidity, oh. uh, which is that acetone mm-hmm. stuff that you can get with the wine isn't prepared just right. This so, one does not have any hints of that. Yeah, this one is actually, I mean, this was a nicer price, like a, whatever, the price point on this was not terrible. Yeah. Um, it was also the only one they had there, so... I do find them at um, at New Seasons a lot. Yeah. If you're looking to try more Pinotage and you're in the Portland area. So this is, so Pinotage is a completely 100% indigenous grape to South Africa. It was planted in 1925. Uh, it's a cross between a Sans Salt and a Pinot Noir. It was created, really? Mm-hmm. It's a, created by a viticulture professor called Abraham Parold. Um, and it's South Africa's number four grape. Uh, and hmm. while, it, like, seriously, all Pinotage pretty much comes from South Africa, except there's a couple of places making it, um, the U.S., Brazil, and New Zealand. <laughs> so after apartheid ended in 1990, the wine market really uh, opened up. And because the wine market was opening up for South Africa, they wanted to put their uh, best wines forward. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was Syrah and Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. So it wasn't until 1997 that Pinotage really kind of had this uh you know, like a surgeon's not even a resurgence, just a surgeon. Like just a surgeon. Um, the, it was called the Pinotage Renaissance, and it was oh. approximately around 2007 to 2017. So the quality was going up, and because the quality went up, therefore, so did the demand. Uh, hence, also uh, the supply. So, as I said earlier, it's a really polarizing grape. The thing that you hear a lot when you are talking about Pinotage is like you either love it or you hate it. In fact, yeah. even on the back of this bottle, it says. You'll either love it or hate it. So they're really embracing this wine's kind of like weirdness, mm-hmm. which I really like. So if anything is the weirdest wine in this whole weird wine podcast, yeah. probably is Pinotage. Because the other ones are like ancient, you know, grape varietals yeah. that have been around forever. And this was only established in 1925. Um, so one qu- more quick thing about Pinotage. Um, is I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but this grape is naturally really high in acid and pH. So the reason a lot of it is going to taste really uh, acidic is in the improper uh, making of it. So oh. it's got a very small picking window, 48 hours. Whoa! It's got a short fermentation period. It should only be done in three days. If you do punch downs every two hours, and that's the thing. A lot of these people that are doing like mass pinotage production aren't doing that. And that's why you're getting shittier pinotages. So if Interesting. You, so you should really look for like small producers. Small that, producers. That's going to be like the best kind of ideal situation for pinotage. Exactly. Um, you know, pinotage, you don't, it's very rare you're going to find it on a restaurant wine menu. It's very rare that you're going to find it in big quantities in the grocery store. You're not going to find a big selection. Yep. So if you're trying to like be weird about your wine, you could do like a pinotage investigation and really Ooh. seek out those like. Maybe, small. Maybe Secret Service can go, um, you know, through the, the VQA. <laughs> yeah, we could take a VQA mission to uh, to South Africa. Guess what time it is? What time is it? Seventeen. Yay! Woo! 
So Seven Things is where we rank our wines uh, top to bottom and then drink our favorite wine while playing Seven Things. Excellent. Um, Hallie, why don't you go first? Okay. You supplied all of these wines <laughs> today. <laughs> sure. Um, honestly. Yep. Fucking I know love, you, babe. I fucking love this Riesling. <laughs> um, so good. And I'm not going to drink too much more of it because I want you to have more of it. Just give me just a splash. Not, you don't have to give me much. Are you sure you don't want to split those last bit? I mean, there's not very much left. We probably just should split it. Oh. Probably should just split it. Well, I got to drink mine while I'm doing the seven. Oh, bottles. that's right. Here, you can have the rest. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, yeah, my number one is the Riesling. Um, after that, um, I'm definitely going to take the Plavic Molly. Mm-hmm. And then I'll probably go with the Vranic and then the Wedge Pinotage. And again, not because the Wedge Pinotage was bad. Nope. It was actually, I think, for it being a Trader Joe's Pinotage, it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it had more, oh, what was that tasty note? It was in Wine Folly um, that I saw once. It was menthol. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck? How can a wine taste like menthol? But tasting that wine, you do kind of like get that. You know when we did that tasting at um, Vino recently? I didn't even notice that you did that. Oh, I know. I set up the cheeses with the apples because they taste really good together. Um, <laughs> we went to Vino recently. Um, shout out to Vino, one of our favorite wine shops in the Portland area on Southeast 28th and Ankeny. Um and they did, it was like a Zinfandel, and then I think there was some, like, Petit Verdot, and, like, the Petit Verdot was, like, hella menthol. I saw mm. the tasting notes from it. So, yeah, some of those bigger-bodied wines can really be oddly Vicks mm-hmm. vapor rubby. Yeah. <laughs> Vicks vapor rubby. Taking me back to my rave days. <laughs> Turn by the tire, and then you'll see a man waving his arms, and you know you've made it. You made it to that the rave. middle of the desert. <laughs> to that rave that you're totally going to regret going to mm-hmm. the next day. Uh, shout out to my youth. Okay. Beep, 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 pew. So I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Yeah? You mm-hmm. ready? Um, mm-hmm. I have to say that the, like, the honey notes came out. Um, mm-hmm. So good. Hallie. Mm-hmm. Seven things you would do while drinking Pearl Morset. 2015 recent. Um, I would probably research where I could get a uh, a mother to make like a sourdough yeast. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, even though I'm kind of grossed out by like kombucha mothers because yeah. they just look like uh you know regurgitated jellyfish. Ah, <laughs> uh, so that's one. 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 Um, I want to have a 50s party. And um, spend a lot of time making deviled eggs because I know people love deviled eggs. Two! I want <clears throat> to take a, uh, I want to go to a old, an old uh, mining town uh, and do like a historical tour there and take a class on how to loom weave so I could make a rug for my carpet. Three! You could do that in old mining town, Pennsylvania, where all of my mother's side of the family is from. Ooh, <laughs> Pennsylvania. But where mul- multiple members of both of our families Yay. are from. Uh, where am I at now? Three. Three. Oh, I want to um, build a snowman, but I want to give him like a really elaborate face. 
Aww. Yeah, like I really want this snowman to emote, you know? Four. Mm, I want to go, I want to just drink a whole bottle and online shop for shit that I would never wear. Fuck yes, five. <laughs> <laughs> like the John Ralphio Howling at the Moon sweatshirt. I almost bought it today. <laughs> I had a, you fool. I had a wild hair at my ass and I was like, no, it's $40, don't. That's a lot. It is a lot. Um, I want to uh, go to a toy store and like take all the stuffed animals off the shelf and then jump into them like a pile of leaves. Six. And I want to just like spend an entire day reading like trash magazines. Oh, seven. Seven, seven things. things. What a lovely batch of seven things. Thank you. Mm. What would what was your <clears throat> rating? Yes, yeah, so um my favorite was the Andrevik, and not because I researched it, because I actually didn't taste it until this morning. Um and then I would say definitely the the Morset um, Riesling, the Vranich or Vranich, and then the Wedge. Again, like we said, not because um, it's from Trader Joe's or because it's kind of considered a lesser grape, but just because it wasn't, it didn't have kind of like a nice, lovely story structured to it in the mouth. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Like, it just kind that of like... story spine on that wine. The story spine on that wine did not have a because and until that day. Story spine is improv lingo in case you guys needed, you know, those people that were wondering about the Byzantine Empire and Canada. And Canada. That, you know, that that was an improv term. <laughs> um... So yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take my my Plavich Mali from the Andrevik Winery in Croatia, and I'm gonna pour myself just a little bit. Do, 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 do. So All right, you ready? I'm gonna take a deep whiff. Whiff it. Ooh, whiff it in. Yeah, that smells like a good. Ooh. It does smell like a leather book, like a real leather, like Ooh. a leather bound book, like a Ron Burgundy book. Uh, my number one is I would watch Anchorman. What? <laughs> <laughs> I like how you got there. Um, my number two is um, I would probably go pick out a new candle and it would be something woodsy smelling like cedar or moss and oak or um, forest floor. Oh, two. Um... <laughs> I would go online and shop for throw pillows that looked like cute food with smiley faces. Three! <laughs> um, I would um, look up how to stuff um, uh, poultry breasts. Mm, four? Yeah. Mm, you four. know, because that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I've never done that before. Isn't that how chicken cordon bleu is made? Like oh, you stuff God. a turkey God. breast with like ham and... Is it is the chicken on the inside or the outside? Yes. <laughs> that was such a stone question. <laughs> is the chicken like on the inside or the outside, man? So, so my parents used to used to cook and buy regularly pretty healthy foods for me when I was a kid, but my mom would get these like frozen chicken cordon blues, which is like okay, yeah, chicken's on the outside and it also like breaded and fried and then mm-hmm. on the inside is the ham and the cheese and like good lord dude chicken cordon bleu is good chicken cordon bleu um, <laughs> anyway we interrupted your seven things ah I think we're on four five five on five I think, I think that was three 
Because it went for that quarter bow is good. Was it? Okay. If you oh, yes, you're right. Um, I would, um, let's see, what would I do? I would trim the tree mm. in the front of my living room, um, and then I'd put all of the, the, the trimmings into a bag to take to the compost later. Um, but I haven't done that yet. That's a thing that's actually happening. Fire! <laughs> <laughs> um... Ooh, um, I would start a fantasy novel. Ooh. Yeah. And like, but only once it started raining. Like, the the rain would hit the roof. Mm. Rain hit the roof. The and rain. then I'd be like, okay, it's time to start my fantasy novel now. <laughs> the rain would hit the roof. It's time to start my proof of the book that I'm going to write. Oh, God, then, that was a bad rap. <laughs> um, my very last one, um, I would... Give myself like a home manicure pedicure, but like with a really dark color, Ooh. like ox blood, to match the wine. Mm-hmm. Seven, seven things. Um, this was such a fun episode. It was. We and it it really. Oh Scott, I just cut you off. It it just shows you to goes to show you that when you step outside of your comfort zone and you learn some more about new new areas, new territories, new grapes, like it's a fun little learning journey and it's actually not that intimidating once you get started exactly just remember to you know <clears throat> pick a country find the bottle research the bottle research the grape mm-hmm. and then your wine is going to take on a whole new flavor and meaning that you never thought possible before a whole new world uh so guys don't forget to follow us on instagram at bottle blondes wine you can mm-hmm. find us on soundcloud itunes and our website bottleblondeswine.com for, um, you know, for all of our episodes. And sometimes I think we're eventually, or sometimes, sometime in the future, um, we'll, uh, maybe we'll do a blogs or some shit on there. Yeah, and we'll put some, maybe some swag on there and we'll make some live appearances. So don't, don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger. And if you're still listening, thank you. Thank you. For listening. We love, we love you and keep listening and more stuff from us in the future. Bye. Bye.